ever wonder if God loves you, just look at the cross. Just look at the cross. There you will find that God provided the ultimate sacrifice, that is, he gave his only begotten son. The reality is, for many of us, we have become so accustomed to the cross, the cross has been such a part of our life for so long, we might miss the wonder of it. Like our health or a loving family, we might even begin to take it for granted. We don't mean to. We love Jesus and we know him and we're grateful for what he did, but we sometimes forget and lose the wonder of exactly what took place on Golgotha, what happened on Calvary itself. So for just a little bit this morning, I want to go back to the cross and I want to consider it together. Now we've been in Mark, I want to ask you to open to the Gospel of Mark again. We've been in the Gospel of Mark the last several weeks in our journey to the cross. So go there again, please. And this time I want you to find Mark chapter 15. And in case you're wondering, we'll be back in Mark next week as well as we celebrate the resurrection. But this morning I want to look at Mark chapter 15, and we'll read verses 16 through 47 together. Just have a few thoughts um, as we look at the cross today, as we journey to the cross. Mark chapter 15 Begin reading at verse 16 and read down through verse 47. Then the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole garrison. And they clothed him, this is Jesus, with purple. And they twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! Then they struck him on the head with a reed and spat on him. And bowing the knee, they worshipped him. When they had mocked him, they took the purple off him and put his own clothes on him. And they led him out to crucify him. Then they compelled a certain man, Simon a Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus, as he was coming out of the country and passing by to bear his cross. They brought him to the place of Golgotha, which is translated place of a skull. Then they gave him wine mingled with myrrh to drink, but he did not take it. When they crucified him, they divided his garments, casting lots for them to determine what every man should take. Now it was the third hour and they crucified him. And the, the inscription of his accusation was written above the king of the Jews. With him they also crucified two robbers, one on his right and the other on his left. So the scripture was fulfilled which says, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And those who passed by blasphemed him wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also mocking among themselves with the scribes said, Well, he saved others. Himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. Even those who were crucified with him reviled him. Now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land 
until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani! Which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood by, when they heard that, said, Look, he's calling for Elijah. Then someone ran and, and filled a sponge full of sour wine, put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink, saying, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come and take him down. Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried out like this and, and breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. There were also women looking on from afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the Less, and Joseph and Salome, and who also followed him and, and ministered to him when he was in Galilee, and many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. Now when the evening had come, because it was the preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent council member, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, coming and taking courage, went into Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate marveled that he was already dead. And summoning the centurion, he asked him if he had been dead for some time. So when he found out from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph. Then he bought fine linen, took him down and wrapped him in the linen, and he laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out of the rock and rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. And Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph observed where he was laid. Father, thank you for these words. Press them upon our hearts. Help us to feel the weight of this for these next few moments. Help us to be rekindled in our realization and our love for you of just what an ultimate sacrifice was given on our behalf. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving yourself for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Two simple truths today and then we'll go home. As we look at this account, as we read the story of the cross, I don't know if you can honestly read it, especially as a believer, and not be impacted by it if you take any time to think about the words that are written on these pages. The true account of the torture and the crucifixion and the sacrifice that Jesus gave for us. I want you to focus with me for just a moment on two simple truths from this. First of all, I want to remind you today that Jesus did this so that we could be saved. When it comes to the cross, it's important to remember two things in particular. First of all, who it was that died on the cross. And secondly, why did he die on the cross? Let's start with the who question first. 
Who is this that's dying on the cross? We know that they used the cross to punish people. We know that other people died on the cross that day. But who was that man on the middle cross? Well, the Bible tells us that it was none other than God himself. God in human flesh. God took upon himself humanity that he might die on the cross. We, we think about this at Christmas time. We celebrate the incarnation. We celebrate Jesus, who is God, becoming man, robing himself in flesh, growing up from that little baby all the way to an adult man, and living a sinless, perfect life. And it's that man who's on the cross, God himself. But then there's the question why? Why would God die on a cross? Why would the Creator die? on a Roman cross. Well, this is the ultimate sacrifice. God in human flesh died on that cross because of our sin. Say, well, preacher, what is sin? We could do a theological lesson and talk about sin and look at all kinds of passages. We could talk about sin being missing the mark and not not, uh, measuring up to God's glory, a lack of perfection. All of that is true. Sin is disobedience to God. And we are sinners by nature. We inherit it from our great, 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 great grandparents, Adam and Eve. We're sinners by nature, and we're also sinners by choice. I tell you what, we've seen some sweet, precious young people on this stage today. I mean, you talk about cute. I always feel intimidated to get up after the preschool choir. How can I follow that, you know? But the truth of the matter is, the Bible teaches that all of us are sinners. And I know if I were to ask all those parents of all the children on the stage, is your child perfect? There might be a few first-time parents that would say, oh, yes, they're perfect. But if they got two or three, <clears throat> And the truth of the matter is, those that are parents or grandparents here today, none of us have to teach our children to sin. I, I don't know a parent in their right mind says, now come here, Johnny, I'm going to teach you how to pitch a fit, I'm going to teach you how to steal, I'm going to teach you how to lie. Sadly, some parents might teach them some of those things. But, but you know what? Even as a baby, as they're sitting there and you're feeding them and you're shoving that spoon, if you don't do it fast enough, what happens? They could show you right then, I want more. We're born with a sin nature, a selfish, sinful nature about us. We're sinners by nature and we're sinners by choice. We choose to sin. And the Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every person has sinned. I've sinned. You've sinned. If we're honest about it, we sin pretty much every week. If we're real honest about it, we sin every day. Because there are sins that we commit, sins of commission, and there are sins of omission. There's things we do we ought not to do, and things that we ought to do that we don't do. We're sinners. So we need help. Because the Bible says that we're lost. We're undone. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. We must pay for our sin. But we can't pay for our sin. So we're condemned. We're lost. In fact, the Bible even says that we're dead in our sin. That's how bad it is. So we need someone to rescue us because we're in a lost, doomed, damned condition. The Bible is very clear. Although it's not God's desire, it's not God's uh, um, uh, desire for any of us, there is a place, the Bible talks about, that after this life there are two options. There's a wonderful place called heaven. There's a horrible place that we refer to as hell, as the scripture calls it the lake of fire in the end of the book of Revelation. 
And the Bible is very clear that if we want to go to heaven, there's only one way to go, and that's through Jesus Christ. If we want to go to hell, we don't have to do anything else. We're already condemned. And so we need a rescuer. We need a savior. We need someone who is not a sinner to take our sin. There's only one who could do that. I love my kids, but I I couldn't die for their sin. You know why? Because I've got my own sin. Only one could die for us. It had to be someone who was human and someone who was sinless. There's only one whose name is Jesus Christ. He's the perfect God-man. And the reason that He went to that cross is so He could save us. When He died on that cross, He took upon Himself the penalty, the punishment of our sin. He took our place. And if we will believe on Him, if we'll trust in Him, He forgives all of our sin. And not only that, He gives to us His righteousness. It's an incredible thing when you think about it. But you'll find that God the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He'll work and move in your heart. He'll convict you of your sin. He'll show you your need of Christ. But the Bible is very clear that while God chooses us, we also must believe. You say, well, I don't understand that. I don't either. And I've been studying it for a majority of my life, it seems like. I grew up from an infant in church all the way up. And there's still a lot I don't know and I'll I'll never know. And we're constantly growing. But I know this much. Even though the Bible teaches that God, yes, He calls us to Himself, it also says we must believe. And He gives us the power to believe. So I want you to know as we think about the Easter season, as we think about the cross, the cross is not just something that we think is neat or it's just something that we like to decorate with or wear as a piece of jewelry. The cross is central to our faith. It's the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. His shed blood. We like to soften that. I noticed even as we sang the hymn this morning, Alas, I did my Savior believe. When I was growing up, you know what the hymn book said? To save such a worm as I. We softened it a little bit. It was softened a little bit in the hymn book today. But the truth of the matter is, and I know this hopefully won't offend anybody, but when it comes down to it, we were wretched sinners. Shaking our puny little fist in the face of Almighty God. We were lost, condemned, doomed. Nothing we could do. Ungrateful. Wretched. But God says, I love you. I want to save you. I want to make you mine. Which brings us to the second thing about the cross, and it's this. Jesus did this so we could be His. He did it so we could be His. This is amazing. Now, it's one thing for Jesus to rescue us And He does that as we believe on Him. But He didn't just rescue us from sin and condemnation and hell. He chose to make us His. This is incredible. He didn't just set us free. You know, it's one thing if somebody comes along and you're guilty and you're condemned and they said, I'll take your place. That's one thing. But to say, not only I'll take your place, but now I'm going to make you a part of my family. I'm not just going to make you a part of my family. I'm going to make you a son or daughter. I'm not just going to make you a son or daughter. I'm going to give you a royal inheritance. They sing about it to kids. I was a sinner, a beggar. Now I'm royalty. 
He gave us the righteousness of Christ. He gave us, oh, we don't even understand. I don't. All that's ours in Christ Jesus. It's one thing to rescue us and to set us free. It's another to adopt us into his family. And that's what he's done. God has not only freed us, he's adopted us. He's made us a part of the family of God. That is, he wants a relationship with us. Christianity is all about a relationship. He wants a relationship with you. God wants you to know Him. God wants you to fellowship with Him. God wants you to know incredible joy and peace. Just He has so many blessings for us. I think there may be a moment when we get to heaven. We know He's going to wipe all tears from our eyes, but we know as believers... We all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the Bible teaches. And, and we're not there. It's not a judgment about heaven or hell. That's settled at the cross. But at the judgment seat of Christ, it's a, it's, a, it's a rewards judgment. In other words, he reviews our life and then he gives us crowns. He gives us rewards according to our labors. Can you imagine that? He's going to give us rewards and us crowns. But it's what the Bible says. But I think there might be a time where we, if we're let in on what could have been, what blessings He had for us, what things He wanted to do for us, but we never asked. You know, the Bible says you have not because you what? You ask not. I wonder how much I've missed out on in my Christian life. I pray that He'll help me not to miss out on any more. But the point I'm making here, beloved, is this. He wants to have a relationship with us. It's not much like a Monopoly game. You know, you play Monopoly and, and you go around and you land on those certain squares and you have to draw those cards. And you could draw one of those cards that says, go to jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. And you get that one. And hopefully you've drawn the get out of jail free card. Or you can roll some doubles. But the truth of the matter is, if you even have that card to get out of jail, that's one thing. God is not just handing us a get-out-of-jail card, get-out-of-hell card, and then just go about your life. He says, no, I want to rescue you, I want to redeem you, but then I want to have a relationship with you. And I want to give you unspeakable joy in your life. The cross is all about salvation and relationship. I'm talking to some people today, I'm convinced of it. In a crowd this size, there's somebody here or maybe several here today. And you're not sure about your eternal destination. You're not sure about your relationship with God. You're not here by accident today. You've heard the gospel sung to you by the children, by the preschoolers. They sang to you, John 3.16. You've heard the word spoken today. You, you've been told that Jesus died on the cross. And by the way, the reason we have hope, if you're newer to all of this teaching, we're going to celebrate the resurrection. We've sung about it today. But the resurrection, see, that's what made the difference. When Jesus rose from the dead, he conquered sin, hell, hell, uh, sin death, hell, and the grave. And he's victorious forever. And therefore, when we place our faith in Him, we can have eternal life. Now, maybe you're here today and you say, well, I've never heard this before. I've never heard the gospel before. I don't know a lot about this. 
Well, here's what you need to know in a nutshell. You're a sinner, just like all of us. You cannot save yourself. There's only one that can save you. His name is Jesus. He's done everything that has to be done to save you. What He wants right now is for you to trust Him. To repent of your sin, that just means simply say, I don't want my sin anymore. I want Jesus. And you just believe on Him. You call upon Him. You give Him your life. You can do it just as simple as this. You say, well, I don't know what to do. Maybe you've been saying, I didn't grow up in church. I, I don't know a lot about this. It's not that complicated. It's belief. Most of the time, people are helped by just saying a simple prayer of, of belief. Something like this. You can do it right where you are. You do it right now. Where you say something like this. Dear God, I believe, I know I'm a sinner. I've done wrong. I'm sorry. I've done wrong. I don't want my sinful life anymore. I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that Jesus rose again for me. And Lord, the best way I know how today is you help me. I believe on Jesus. I trust Jesus alone. I give you my life. I give you myself. Come into my life. Save me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Adopt me into your family. And if you'll pray a prayer like that, and you really mean it, as God works in your heart, the Bible is very clear. You will be saved. Now I want to encourage you. We're going to pray and we're going to sing in a moment. You may have just said that prayer in your heart as I was speaking, or maybe you need to say that prayer. But here's what I want to do. I want to bow together today. And whoever you are and wherever you are, I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. I want to go through that prayer again. And if you want to pray that prayer, you can. If you, you want to, you can. You pray it to Him. You can use your own words or follow me. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. I don't want my sinful lifestyle anymore. Please forgive me. Please cleanse me. Lord, the best way I know it now, how, right now, I believe in Jesus. I believe He died for me. I believe He rose again. He's alive right now. And I give You my life. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Help me to live for You from this day forward. Thank You, Lord Jesus, for loving me. Thank You, Lord Jesus, for saving me. Thank You for the cross. Thank You for the empty tomb. Now, I want you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. You just prayed that. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to let me know but that's not the end of it. If you truly believed on the Lord Jesus, you shouldn't be ashamed of Him. I'm going to encourage you today to make that public. I'm going to ask you in a moment to raise your hand, let me know you prayed that. But then during the closing song, I'm just going to ask you very simply just to do one thing. And by doing it, you're stepping out today and saying, I have received Jesus as my Savior. 
When we're singing that closing song, Pastor Larry and I are going to be there. All I'm going to ask you to do is, if you prayed to receive Christ today, I'm just going to ask you just to walk down and shake my hand or Pastor Larry's hand. We just want to pray with you. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to have you say anything. We're not going to introduce you to the church. None of that. We just want to rejoice with you. And as you step out and take our hand, we're just going to praise the Lord and welcome you and just have a quick word of prayer with you. All right? So here's what we're going to ask you to do. If you pray that prayer, just a second, I'm going to ask you to let me know by lifting your hand. And then as we sing the closing song, I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith today. And just come down and take Pastor Larry's hand or my hand and say, Listen, preacher, I received Christ. And we're just going to rejoice with you and pray for you. Does everybody understand? All right. I'm just wondering, did anybody today pray with me a moment ago and you asked Jesus to be your Savior? If you did, would you slip your hand up where you are? I see that one. I see that one. Anybody else? I see that one. Anybody else? All right, you can put those down, guys. Anybody else? All right, now remember, I'm challenging you. We're not going to come get you. We're not going to call you out. But when we start singing in a moment, I want you to come down. I want you to shake my hand or shake Pastor Larry's hand. And that's just saying we're just receiving. Give me the right hand of fellowship saying we're going to pray for you and support you, okay? And we'll do that in just a second. But let's pray. Father, thank you for these that have lifted a hand today. They said yes to you. Lord, give them the courage right now to step out and allow us to rejoice with them, to pray with them, and Lord, to begin hopefully a journey of discipleship with them in the days to come. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. I pray if others needed to raise a hand today and needed to be saved today, would you please bring them before it's eternally too late. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn, Pastor Larry, if you come join me, please. Very simple. We're just going to pray with you today if that's you. 249 is our closing hymn. We stand together and sing. Maybe you needed to pray and you didn't. Maybe you still have questions. You come, let us know that. But you come today, 249, let's stand together and sing. Jesus paid the dollar. You come as we sing, all right? You come. Come on, guys, you come now.